0: Hello ho ho and welcome to Review 2. This week we're Review twoing Christmas Songs.
1: You really are scrooging out on this, aren't you? <laughs>
0: Sit through it and cringe.
1: Some novelty Christmas sunglasses.
0: Larry sounds good. Adam's also there.
1: Does love light up your Christmas tree?
0: Season's greetings, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and all the other things that we would normally throw at you. Feliz Navidad. That's a good one, actually. It's Um, the only
1: Spanish I remember from high school.
0: Well, well done. Bueno.
1: So this is the Christmas episode of Review 2. This is a gift, if you will, for everyone that supported us through the, the first two seasons of Review 2. Thank you for your comments, your likes, uh, your shares, um, and and subscribing to us. Um, today is going to be a little different. We're going to go through and review U2's interactions with Christmas, which there's, there's not a lot to talk about. Um, but, you know, they, they have mentioned <clears throat> Christmas in a couple of songs. Mm-hmm. And they have... Uh, Released three covers of Christmas
0: songs, so that's just about enough to string together a podcast, basically, yeah. just about
1: yeah and and as we say, just for you, um so we hope this festive season is treating you well, maybe, maybe you two will have given you a new album by this point. we don't know, yeah, right <laughs> it'd be nice, um so one of the first things I do want to talk talk about, Johnny is in the 80s like i th- i think still now in in the uk um the the christmas the songs you hear at christmas are still things like slade yep. uh, and wham wizard yep yeah, all it seems to be the same songs all the time certainly um, band aid is is always in there but there's a lot of songs that came out uh the late 70s uh, and through the 80s um a lot of u2's contemporaries then that would have brought out christmas singles seemingly every year. Yeah. Why do you think U2 aren't one of those bands that do Christmas songs? I think we can agree that Christmas songs wouldn't seem uh, out of place
0: in U2's catalogue. It depends what era of U2 we're talking about, I suppose. They've always had a seriousness that means that they wouldn't exactly sit well next to Slade or Wizard, that kind of thing. Although they do have a playful side, I just don't think it would translate that well to to Christmas, really.
1: I I, I I don't know what the answer is. I don't know why they they don't do it because you know they they do have a you know a good heart and a lot of a lot of the themes that you two try and, and share the the present in abundance at Christmas, like you know peace on earth and yeah. Um, it, Kind of Christian values, whether you're a Christian or not, but that's what they promote. They promote peace and love all the time, and that's
0: what gets promoted at Christmas more so than anything else. So why don't you think they've had more Christmas songs then?
1: Um, I don't know. I don't know if it was if there was a fear that uh, in in the 80s that that's, that those Christmas songs would start to define your career, and there are a few 80s bands that you only hear of at Christmas. Well,
0: name another Wizard song.
1: But that's true. Name
0: another Slade song. Well, come on, feel the noise. But I know what you mean. It yeah, is—it is a, a, a de- does come to define you for a lot of bands, definitely.
1: And, and you know, some some of the bands uh, on on the original Live Aid single. I mean, I think that is literally the only air time they ever get every every Christmas when they start playing
0: that mm. again. And fortunes fared very differently after that song. Didn't they? So
1: yeah, it worked out. It worked out pretty well for for you two.
0: I've got to say, I am probably not the best person to do <laughs> a Christmas podcast with because I generally dislike most Christmas music. I, I don't think anybody likes Christmas music. Well, why are people playing it so much? Then like, who, it's so who likes Happy Birthday?
1: No one likes Happy Birthday. You only play it for other people.
0: Yeah, but you only have a moment of Happy Birthday where you just have to sort of sit through it and cringe while everyone is singing it at you. And then, I mean, it's quite horrible, but it's over quickly. Um, There are three things that I would suggest. I don't think you're
1: roasting many people's chestnuts with this.
0: No, and this is, (laughs) I'm going to sound a bit Scrooges, but there are three things I will suggest to make Christmas better for everyone. Okay, So I'm not cancelling Christmas songs or anything like that. But here are my rules. Number one, no Christmas music until December 1st right? I shouldn't be hearing Slade <laughs> in mid-November. Ridiculous. And I know this is going to make me sound like a grumpy old man. I'm sure it's very cliche, but tough luck. Second point. Fallow years for some songs, right? We don't need Slade every year. We don't need Mariah Carey every year. We don't, certainly don't need Wizard every year. Can we just all agree that for five years, and I'm being deadly serious about this, for five years, no one plays Slade, right? We'll pay off All the people in the band will pay off Noddy Holder and the rest. The guy with the terrible haircut, etc. We'll pay them off. Dave Hill. Yeah, that's it. They'll Um. get their money that they would have received. Because I'm sure they're living off the royalties. And we just don't hear them. And then when they come back, people will actually be excited to hear them. Because if I have to hear... Again, stupid Slade song... Anyway, and the third thing... Sorry, Tyler, you're
1: No, are there, any, are there any Christmas songs, then, that you do like, that, that do get you in the mood?
0: Yes, um, for Christmas. Um, Joan and Louis, Stop the Cavalry, that's a great song. Um, still not quite yet bored of that, but I'm sure I will be. Um, my all-time favourite Christmas song is Merry Christmas, I Don't Want to Fight Tonight by the Ramones. The Ramones have done a Christmas song, and it's that brilliant. That doesn't get as
1: much airplay, uh play, does it?
0: It needs to, though, because it contains the epic line Where is Rudolph, where is Blitzen, baby?" And that is a good line. So, I mean, this brings me on actually to the, my third suggestion for improving Christmas in terms of music. Can we just have some new Christmas songs? Can people actually put the effort in? Oh, I think that's the point. It's, it's, I think it's harder to write
1: Christmas songs than, you know, people. Because you're not just writing a song for the, the day and age. You're writing a song that is going to be repeated mm. year by year by year by year. And I think that scares a lot of people off. Yeah. Do you want, if you're not completely happy with a a song, do you really want people to be playing it every year for
0: six weeks? Well, I think people just need to up the game a little bit. And I guess the thing is that if it is a bad song, it just won't get played that much. Uh, Although actually, that's certainly not true, is it? Because I mean, that Darkness song is on every year and I'm sick of that. But at least they were trying something. I'm glad they were at least trying to make a new Christmas song. So new Christmas songs that are actually good. Well, there you have
1: it, listeners. Start writing us some Christmas songs, and we'll try and play them. Yeah. If you write us any Christmas songs, we will play them on on the podcast. Agree?
0: Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: We'll do that at the start of season three.
0: That will be completely. Uh, yeah, that'll be <laughs> you know. Yeah,
1: that'll be ridiculous, but we'll do that. Cool. But now it is time for us to go track by track through um, six of. Uh, you two's well, Christmas songs, quote unquote. Yeah. So. Some are snippets, some are covers. So, with all that said, from innocence to frankincense, jingle all the way with us as we review to Christmas. Okay, so we're going to start with snippets. This is this is when you two have included lyrics to do or. Talking about subjects around Christmas. Mm. So the first one is from 1995 from Miss Sarajevo. And Johnny, would you like to
0: give us the snippet of the song? So the line is, "Is there a time for tying ribbons, a time for Christmas trees? Is there a time for setting tables and the night is set to freeze?" So it's obviously a reference to Christmas. I don't think I really even picked up on this that much when I when I listened to the song. Maybe I glaze over during this, but. But I think Miss Sarajevo in this part of the song, and I mean, this is a difficult one in some ways because I'm very aware we've not fully reviewed Passengers yet that will be on a later season at some point. So I don't want to talk too much about the whole song, but this reference seems to be all be about moments of beauty amid horrific times, basically, amid dangerous times. And something like A Christmas Tree can be something that, is a beacon of hope really, I suppose, in this, in this song.
1: I I think the line sits quite well in a, in a, in a complicated song. Yeah, definitely. Um, While Christmas is and should be um, a time for unity and and closeness, it's, uh, I think it's humane to, uh, to remind yourself that, uh, and not to forget that there's other things happening outside your door. And I think that f- does feed into the Christian spirit to help one another—not not just um, not just your friends and your family, but you know, love thy neighbor. Mm. Um, so I think I think it's it comes from a good place, and um, I think you have do have the spirit of Christmas in the in the middle of that song, which I, which I think is why it's there. Because if the word Christmas, it has a lot of connotations um or, of love and peace and joy and and happiness and and warmth, uh, and that's. In a song like Miss Sarajevo, I think that has a, a very big impact. So it's, it's a loaded line.
0: Yeah. And I think that in a song that is all about the fact that some small measures of frivolity, some things that might seem superficial, like beauty pageants, like time ribbons, like Christmas itself, and we'll definitely get onto superficiality as we go through this list, um, there is actually a time for those because if if that's an expression of your social liberty and your freedom that is being denied to you, small things like that become really, really important. And I think that's what is at the heart of this lyric. And that's why it's a, it's a really good start to this. Uh, yeah,
1: you, you need those. Sometimes you need the superficial stuff. It reminds me of the um, the story of the serviceman playing football in No Man's Land. on uh, Was it Christmas Eve or Christmas Day?
0: I thought that it was meant to be on Christmas Eve, right? Although I will say, to put a Scroogey dampener on this, it probably didn't happen historically. Really? As far as I can tell, and I'm not a historian, from you know, from the things Wh- that I've why read. Why would they
1: make that up then?
0: Because it's a great story, and it you know, can, you know, M&S or whoever can use it, or John Lewis can use it in an advert later on and sell more. <laughs> tats.
1: Quite cynical. I'm quite happy to believe that it did happen, and I have no proof that it didn't.
0: Well, you can be Tiny Tim and I'll be screwed through this, okay? uh, Fine. We'll (laughs) We'll go for that.
1: (laughs) Okay, so moving on uh, two years into the future, that's 1997, If God Will Send His Angels, which is on the album Pop. Uh, And the, the little snippet from this song is And love, what's that you say to me? Does love light up your Christmas tree?
0: Yeah, it's slightly discombobulating to be jumping between eras because usually we stick with the albums. And as a plug, go and check out our pop episode if you want to hear the full, fat, meaty, uncut review of this <laughs> of this song. Um, you seem I, distressed by this a little bit. No, I just think this is where we get into a, a quite a... It is quite a sort of sad um, area to talk about, really. I think this song means a lot more when you when you think about it in this way in relation to christmas because the kind of inequality that's brought up in this song about you know and that is reflected on all of pop about high life and the lowest parts of society that's a contrast that christmas only really highlights so when they're talking about you know see his mother dealing in a doorway see father christmas with a begging bowl and jesus's sisters eyes are a blister the high street never looks so low it's all about that con- contrast between the high street and the glossiness and, you know, Merry Christmas, everyone. And looking at these huge toy displays and then right on the same street, you have um, possibly someone who who needs money, who's homeless, that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's what this song means to me when we're thinking about it through um, a Christmas frame. And by God, am I aware considering what's just happened in America of how unequal society is, particularly in America, but all across the world. So, That's why I'm probably feeling not so ho 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 about this.
1: No, but you know, like Christmas is a time that you know um, that people. I think people come together and you know people um, are are going through the same thing. But this song to me was, um, it. it, Christmas seems to be the only time of the year where we love in unison, you know, and love in in capital letters there. Um, And it's so easy to get distracted by buy other things and other emotions, you know, throughout the rest of the year. But if that Christmas spirit could, you know, travel throughout the rest of the, you know, rest of the calendar, then maybe you know, the world would be a better place. And it isn't about that commercial commercialism. Mm. It it's about the heart of Christmas and 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 the emotion of Christmas. And I think the world needs that. And I think I don't think the world just needs that right now. I think I think the world the world can always do. We've been reminded of that. And it shouldn't. I mean, it's nice that it happens at least once a year, but it should be. It should be more than that. And I I think that's what Bono is particularly writing about when he writes that or sings that line.
0: Mm. No, no, I'd agree with that definitely. I mean, he's asking a long time before William did. You know, where is the faith and where is the love? And he's saying, does love light up your Christmas tree? So he's basically bringing out the fact that you know what is invested in your Christmas. You know, via that kind of image of the christmas tree is it love that lights it up or is it simply a concern to impress the neighbors or to show off you know that kind of thing
1: well, there's, there's there's things like there's the build up to christmas where you're stressing out and you know wondering if you've got enough money to buy all the all the presents and wor- worrying if you've bought someone enough or um if you've got the right gift for the right person mm. and making sure you you've got enough food to feed everybody and there's all that stress, and then there's there's that calm of Christmas Day, which sometimes can make Christmas Day feel a bit anticlimactic. Yeah, certainly. But it, but it's the calm when you when that's the bit that you're supposed to enjoy. But but it sometimes doesn't seem worth the amount of stress.
0: Well, it's certainly a welcome relief from walking around Debenhams and listening to Slade on repeat. I've just banged the mic. I'm that annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, just yeah, you, you definitely need that kind of calm and respite. It's kind of weird that this exists on an album like pop, which is so sunny, though. As well, do you not think it's a bit? And this song, to me, like a bit like the Playboy Mansion, sounds really sunny in general, especially when Edge is playing that guitar riff, and you got Christmas.
1: Well, you know, as we discussed on 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 the the pop podcast, we it's a it's a very dark album. Um, yeah. And when you when you think of a darkness in in terms of a time of year, then you go to Christmas, and and Christmas is. Um, it's it's lit up by these these you know christmas lights and um stars on trees and things like that there's, there's a lot of light in christmas but the, the setting of it is dark mm. there's the reason that those um those lights are the it's it's to make you feel a bit a little bit better in in that that dark month of, of december
0: So we get to 2000 now and Peace on Earth from the album All That You Can't Leave Behind. And the lyrics in this case are Jesus, this song you wrote, the words are sticking in my throat, peace on earth. Hear it every Christmas time, but hope and history won't rhyme. So what's it worth, this peace on earth? Now, that's quite a long quote, but the point is, I think, or at least I interpret it this way, You've got to actually mean peace on earth when you say it. And it can become something that's quite cliched that you just say in a throwaway kind of fashion. And Bono's saying, obviously, you hear it every Christmas time. It always comes around. But what does that actually mean? Because you can't just keep hoping for something and thinking that the world is going to change. That's where that whole, you know, hope and history not rhyming comes about. So it's a reminder, basically, and the political context of this song is obviously very distressing, written shortly after or rather on the day of of the omar bombing it becomes even more important to stress the peace of that of that sentiment peace on earth
1: yeah i think i think we said in the all that you can't leave behind podcast that this is um this is a prayer for peace uh it's it's not an angry um um march to war type anthem it's you know uh, it's it's calling for an end to violence and you know uh, an invitation to talk and uh, you know there were better ways to do that and, and again, again that feeds into um, a very christian idea
0: of, of of christmas um although i wouldn't say i think neither me or you are, are, are christians no. or theists of any sort
1: it's why we should kind of shy away whenever religion is is mentioned
0: in so yeah in some respects um but i think it obviously is those values have transcended purely being you know Christian, if you know what I mean. So when we say Christian volumes, I guess it is with inverted commas. You can express them if you're not, and you might not express them if you are, to be honest. Um, and vice versa. So yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but it's nice and I think I think this is meant to be a Christmas song because the because the, the symbol in in the handbook is a Christmas tree. But You I brought that up. You, yeah, you did. And <laughs> you, you know, you can never really you can never really tell because they don't come out and say, you know, this is a Christmas song, you two. They just, they just kind of leave it.
0: I think it's not a Christmas song because I don't think they would be aiming to, because it doesn't have the release at the at that particular time.
1: Would you agree? It has a Christian, uh, a Chris, a Christmas
0: sentiment. Certainly, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it it does mention it explicitly in the lyrics, um, and I, there is that kind of like almost astral like. Uh, tambourine kind of you know, Christmas sounding sound to the whole song. So and I think it does sound good. Yeah. But it is also a bit weird to be going through the middle of an album and start to I mean if you listen to this in May, then it's a bit odd to sort of start to hear a Christmas sound. Maybe that's why they didn't make it explicitly Christmasy.
1: Yeah, maybe. Very summary album list I think. Okay, so now we get to the covers. This is where you two actually do fully fledged Christmas songs. However, they are covers of other artists' songs. The first one from, I think, 1986, 1987, around that time? Uh, It's December 16th,
0: 1988.
1: Right, okay, so I'm completely wrong there. (laughs) Uh, So 1988, in between The Joshua Tree and Rattle and Hum, you two appear on a TV show in Ireland called RTE, and they (laughs) do a cover of... John Lennon's Happy Christmas War is Over. What did you think of Larry during this performance?
0: Well, at the start, I thought, is Larry actually going to do anything? He looks very bored at the start.
1: I don't know where he was secreting that tambourine, but it surprised me when it turned up.
0: Just sort of pops up, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, on my notes here, I've just got, Larry gets a tambourine to play with, and it does feel very much like a kid who's been given a tambourine. It's like, there you go. And all the rest of the band are really getting into it, and he's sort of uh, like, mm, all right, fine. I,
1: I, I actually, I actually thought it was a good version. It for for a, for a TV show, very raw, you know, just one time performance. It was, it was. I thought, I thought it was all right. I think they actually did record this at some point as well. I think there is a, a recorded version of this.
0: Well, I certainly didn't uh, listen to any recorded version. It was simply, you know, studio recorded version. Yeah. It was just this. I always feel sorry for um, any band when they have to sing on a on a talk <laughs> show in that format because A, it's a bit weird. No control over your own sound. Yeah, yeah, and certainly not not enough. Um, and also just having to sing from a sort of crouching down, bent over position, it's not very good, really. It doesn't help. But I mean, the band equipped themselves pretty well. Bono sings well. Um, I can't really tell if it is just the bad quality because obviously it was ages ago. It's probably been... Move from tape to digital format, but I think Edge has, despite this being acoustic, I think he still has some sort of like mild flanger or chorus or phaser on his acoustic, which is just it's so typically Edge because it's meant to be an acoustic stripped down version, and he's just saying, do you mind if I have just a little bit of uh, some crazy effect on there as well, yeah. please? Um, but that might just be the recording quality.
1: But I think it's great. I mean, you know, Bono is obviously a big fan of John Lennon and uh, and the Beatles. Um, the song doesn't give Bono the chance to reach the heights vocally that Bono at that point was capable of. Mm. But, but I do. I think it's. A, I think it's a nice little rendition of a of a Christmas song.
0: I just thought, nah. I mean, it's it's okay for what it is. But
1: you really are scrooging out on this, aren't you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just think uh, at the end of it, I was like, well, that's over now. And but the crowd went wild. I, well, I don't know what they were watching. Christmas, brackets, baby, please come home, close brackets. So, this is a song originally performed by Darlene Love and it's got a lot of cover versions of it. Speaking of the Ramones earlier, Joey Ramone did a slightly rocked up version of this song and I think it really suits his voice actually. I think it's a perfect kind of song for Joey's kind of poppy, bubblegum type voice, so I really like that. This doesn't really grab me either, to be to be quite honest. Bono has got a stupid hat on in the video. He's doing that annoying rattle and hum voice that he does um, some bullet the blue sky when he says howling wind. I'm not going to toxinate it, but it's awful. No, not a fan.
1: I love this song. <laughs> I I'd listened to this song probably uh,
0: mid October. Because I, I that just... goes against all my p- policies policies on Christmas. Well, yeah,
1: it does. But I really, I think this is a really, really good version. And I know people that have this version, this this U two's version of this song in um in Christmas playlists. And I think it, I think it's re- a really good um interaction with Christmas for U two. I think it suits them. I think vocally it it it, it, su- well, it suited them at the time at um Rattle and hum time, but it's. I think it's a really good song, and it's a really good uh, uh, rendition. I,
0: I will say, vocally speaking, Bono, apart from that annoying thing that I've just talked about, um, the howling wind factor, that I'll just call for sake of ease, he really does belt it out on this, and... This is the kind of
1: song I can imagine them writing. Or oh, this is the kind of song, uh, you, um, Christmas song, that I would want them to write.
0: Yeah, as far as it goes, this this works. But what it is, it's, it's good, I suppose. Um, but the, tell you what annoys me about this seeing bono so effortlessly sing this and belt out his voice makes me think ugh, it's sort of squandered on on this 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 song really i'm not i'm not that bothered about it um edge is pretty good on it he manages to get a little bit bluesy which is odd for edge even when he's been told to play the blues he usually <laughs> refuses um but he also gets a bit of a jangly edge in there which is quite nice Larry sounds good. Adam's also there. Me? Nee. I'm just not not convinced by this song. You, you,
1: well, you, you're so wrong. This, this may be U2's best Christmas song. Hmm. And finally, U2's to-date last Christmas cover, and that is I Believe in Father Christmas by Greg Lake. Now the original version of this, I have always seen as the quintessential Christmas song. When I hear the the original, um, you know the that bit, yeah, I that that that's Christmas to me. That that is Christmas in sound, yeah. Um, so I was very interested when you two covered this, and I I, I hoped that they would do a kind of a full fledged. U2 song is like okay, this is what this song this song would sound like if it was U2, and I don't think we got that. What we got was um pretty pretty stripped down, um acousticy. I don't know if it is acoustic, but it, it sounds like borderline acoustic.
0: It's not fully acoustic. But no, I'll let you carry on before I jump in.
1: Um, but it it, it sounds it sounds like Christmas, and it and it's not it's not it's not terrible. Um, it's quite faithful to the original. Um, but just a bit calmer. Um, and I think they could have really U2' this song and, and made it into one of those, you know, epic U two songs. Put but, a boom char in. <laughs> maybe this is the only song that can't be improved by a boomcha. <laughs> um But yeah, I, I like it and it and this song did get me in the mood for Christmas.
0: Well, I have already said on a previous episode that I'm when it comes to Christmas, I'm much more Greg Lake than Slade. And this is why I didn't bring this up earlier on in when we were listing the kind of Christmas songs that we like. And I think it really suits, I actually think it does suit the band's style a lot. And they, I just don't see if they rocked it up. It wouldn't, I don't think that would work well. I think this is the best format for it. Edge doing um, that motif that you did before on his guitar, I think sounds incredible. I think it's again stripped down enough, but also a little bit of effects, So it does sound quite Christmassy and jangly. Now, the thing I have about this um, song is that I see this as a reflective and very clear eyed take on Christmas. And I think a lot of people think this is quite a cynical uh, Christmas song, because if you actually listen to the lyrics, then you think, oh, this is actually quite negative, despite the, um, the nice feel to the song. But I don't think this is cynical at all. I think it's Christmas itself that is cynical. And I can probably scrooge out a little there's bit There's a difference between realism and cynicism. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's that's right. I don't think there is a true meaning of Christmas. So there's nothing about the concept itself that means it has to be this or it has to be that. Um, and I think that's obvious because of the way that, that history and society and culture changes Christmas. You know, Christmas now looks different to Victorian Christmas, to, you know, 100 years before that Christmas. And I think this is where the song really works and why you two have picked up on it, because you do get the Christmas you deserve. And in a time where, I mean, frankly, in an orgy of commercialism, this is the kind of song that actually highlights that we get the Christmas we deserve. We get a Christmas that is horrible, that annoys people, where you feel stressed out and you have to go and spend a certain amount of money to ensure that you're displaying the right amount of love and that's why i think you two have actually focused in on this because there are a lot more of a cynical band than i expect i think peace on earth where he's talking about that phrase choking in his throat i think if god will send his angels which is all about the fact that god seems so absent here and they mention you know are people actually lighting up the christmas tree with love or not it fits in really well you know to a whole history of you two's interactions as we're going to call them with christmas
1: yeah. I I I like it and I think it's I think it's a, a good one. They're going to have to if they're going to do another one. Um I I don't know what I don't know what they do and I don't know how they could top this.
0: No. I don't think
1: they they're, they're going to top it at all. Um but I think I don't I don't think that it that it ever seems unlikely for you two to do a Christmas song. It seems very like them. It's almost
0: weird that they don't do more. I'm I'm concerned if they if they do do another Christmas song because I can't see it getting any better than uh, than this uh, cover of Greg Lake to be honest.
1: Well, fair enough. Maybe the listeners will, um, you know, have some other things. Maybe I think Bono's done some. I don't know if he has, but
0: do you know what though? I bet I bet that the, obviously, obviously this is a reflective take on Christmas and it's a very particular choice for the band. But I bet if someone gets an acoustic out at Christmas, Bono is doing Slade and Wizard and everything like that. I mean, I can't imagine him turning He does that seem the
1: type, to... like a cheesy Christmas jumper. Yeah. Some novelty Christmas sunglasses.
0: Well, we're back to the theory, theory of uh, you know Bono being an embarrassing dad at times, and I think, yeah, Christmas is where dads really shine, so. Yeah.
1: Apart from Edge, apparently Christmas is the one day of the year where he doesn't wear a hat.
0: Mm, interesting. So you just sort of... It's I've not got... true
1: at all, I just made that up. Oh, so I was
0: going to say, I've got a disturbing image of my in my head of Because if you do see Edge without a hat, particularly these days, it's very um, well-shaven, and he he could make a good Christmas bauble to sit on that Christmas tree.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, what a Christmas present you've given edge there from the Edge apologist. Uh, Edge, what are you? The Edge enthusiast. I think I've had too much sherry over here. (laughs) Okay, so it's now time for our one-time feature, Jingle Bell or Jingle Hell? Johnny, which is your Jingle Bell of the six songs we just went through?
0: So if I'm understanding you correctly, that's my favourite of these That That would
1: normally be your sweetest thing.
0: Okay. Um, my favourite out of these... This is difficult, though, because I'm judging covers against songs that U2 have done, and I would tend to always <laughs> go for the U2 song. Um, I think... As as a Christmas song, this has
1: to be your favourite Christmas song of the, of the six we've just talked about.
0: Right, okay. I'm making a meal out of this. A Christmas dinner, one might say. Um, I like the Greg Lake song.
1: Okay. um, For me, I've got to go with Christmas, Baby Please Come Home. What would be your Jingle Hell?
0: My Jingle Hell would... It's a tough one, actually. Probably that lacklustre performance of the John Lennon song. I mean, again, meh is my only opinion.
1: Yeah, I think I have to agree with that. Um, but I, but it's funny to watch it and to just watch Larry really not want to take part in any sense of the word.
0: Well, it's nice that we're joined in unity on this very special day. Okay, Tyler, as a special treat this week, I'm going to do something a little bit different now and something that I've not prepared you for. And what I've done is I've prepared a little YouTube quiz based off... Mastermind. So I'm going to read the actual questions that were answered by a Mr. Phil O'Rourke on Mastermind. Now I'm not going to do the time and I've edited the questions slightly to remove some of the extraneous information that they add on. You're looking very uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah I am yeah. Uh, Are you you happy to? Uh, Yeah we'll go for it. Indulge in Mastermind. Okay brilliant good. So I am Humphreys uh, for these purposes and It's okay, you can relax, Tyler. I'm sure it'll all go completely fine. You'll get them, you'll get 10 out of 10. I'm not sure how many they are. Um, So here we go. I need to put on my best uh, reading voice. Your name? Sam Tyler. And your subject? U2. Okay. Sam Tyler from Wigan, your subject is U2. At which school in Dublin did the band play their first gig and meet? Uh, Mount Temple. Correct. Who produced the band's first three albums, as well as "How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb"? Steve Lillywhite. Which song? Yes. Which song opens the unforgettable fire? Uh, (laughs) Oh, a sort of homecoming. Yes. The song "Angel of Harlem" is a tribute to which jazz singer? Billy Holiday. Correct. What is the name of the young boy who appears on the albums "War" and "Boy"? Peter. It's not Piper. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, It's not Cook. I I can only get his first name. Okay, that's a pass then. Which Oscar-winning actor introduced the band at Live Aid in 1985? Could you repeat the question, please? Which Oscar-winning actor introduced the band... Oh, Jack Nicholson. Correct. What is the final track on Zoropa? The Wanderer. Yes, and it, it stars, not features, Johnny Cash Humphreys. During the 1987 tour, you two appeared as their own support act in the guise of a fictional country and western band. Name them. Uh, oh, God. No. No, that's gone. That's gone. The past, Okay. Who inspired Bono to write the track The Sweetest Thing? Ali Hewson. Correct. Which artist inducted U two into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in two thousand and five? Correct. What film did Adam and Larry do the soundtrack for? Mission Impossible. Okay, good. That was a very badly asked question. In nineteen eighty six, U two, Sting, Lou Reed, Brian Adams, and Peter Gabriel, and others took took part in a tour on behalf of Amnesty International. Name the tour. Conspiracy of Hope. Correct. Which song from Passengers features guest vocals by Luciano Pavarotti? Miss Sarajevo. Correct. The song The Hands Are Built America features on the soundtrack of which overly long but still quite good Scorsese film. <laughs> Gangs of New York. Correct. So, Tyler, that's the end of all our questions. How do you feel? Um, okay. Huh? I wish you'd uh, told me. But Then you would have just revised, wouldn't you? Or listeners would Peter have Peter Rowan. That. Oh. <laughs> 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 um, so, a quick tabulation. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, no. Right, I'm just gonna I'll come back in a sec after
1: that. Can you, can you just tell me who um what what they were called?
0: Uh when they were supported themselves? Uh yes, it was the Dalton brothers. Oh. And um for a bonus point then, because I'll I'll tabulate the mark based on this, for a bonus point, which member of the band appeared as Daisy Dalton and was dressed up as a woman? I'm gonna go Adam. It was Adam, correct. <laughs> Okay, so let me just count this up and then we'll cut this back in. So, okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, and you got the bonus. Okay, okay, so, okay, so Tyler, you got thirteen with a bonus point, making you fourteen overall. So well done. You actually did better than Philo Rock, although. Um, I guess he was prepared in some ways, um, so and you were very much put on the spot, although we have kind of done the podcast as preparation, so <laughs> but I mean, do you know what, you did better than I did as well on the first time I did this. The ones I couldn't get were uh, Jack Nicholson and, um... oh no, that was it, no, I just didn't get Jack Nicholson.
1: Does that mean that I'm more of a U2 fan than you?
0: No, because I've just realised I got exactly the same amount as you.
1: so after that and my big uh, uh, hot flush there um, I'd like to say Merry Christmas to all our listeners Johnny would
0: you like to say the same yes although I have appeared a bit of a scrooge I do sincerely wish all of our listeners and all of our fans a very very Merry Christmas
1: I guess all that's left to say is thank you very much for listening Uh, Merry Christmas Thank you for tuning in to the first two seasons of Review 2. We will be back in the new year with Season 3, where we're going to have to shake things up because, well, we've pretty much run out of U2 albums apart from Songs of Innocence. But until then, thank you very much. Merry Christmas, and we'll
0: see you then. Merry Christmas, and see you soon.
1: Hi there. Thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to get in touch, please contact us on facebook.com forward slash review to to you or on soundcloud.com forward slash review 2 or search for the review Two podcast on iTunes. You can also email us at review 2 contact at gmail.com. Please like comment and subscribe. Thank you.